The Money Heroes Podcast from Young Money, supported by HSBC UK. Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of the Money Heroes Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Hart, financial journalist and father of three in that order. Now, over the next few episodes, we hope to empower both parents and children to develop their financial knowledge and skills. And I know it can be a bit overwhelming introducing a new topic to the kids, but don't worry. Uh, As a dad myself, I hope I'll be able to unravel the world of money and sort out what you really need to know. Yes, I know we're talking about financial matters, but hopefully it'll be fun as we're joined by our brilliant money and education experts. Stick with us and you'll be financial education experts by the end of the series, I promise. I'll shortly be joined by Russell Winard, who is the Director of Programmes and Services at Young Enterprise and a parent of three to talk about the impact of financial education at home and the importance of raising money-smart children from an early age. And we'll also get a bit of background on young money and money heroes, some tips on the best ways to talk about money at home and how to best utilise the platform to enhance your child's financial development. Now, it really is true that helping your children understand money management from an early age will help them make better informed financial decisions as they grow up. I think it is also the case that many families just don't talk enough about money matters. Apparently, nearly 80% of under 17-year-olds say they turn to their parents if they needed advice on money. I mean, my daughter often talks to me about money, usually when she wants some, I mean, it's the only time she actually calls me daddy. So parents, as well as teachers, are key influencers. And in today's changing world, it is becoming much more important to raise financially responsible children. With financial education, children can develop the knowledge, skills and confidence of money management beyond just simple numeracy. So it's really important to learn how to keep it safe, how to avoid getting into bad debt how it affects the wider community, Uh, the list goes on. So even at a very young age, children are faced with decisions around money, to spend or to save. So they need to learn how to navigate the world of finance and make the right choices. Financial education in the early years is essential, I believe, in preparing children to become financially capable. That's why we're here to support and guide you in introducing financial literacy to your child. Young Money is part of Young Enterprise, a national charity. By 2023, Young Enterprise will create a minimum of 1 million opportunities to help young people learn the vital skills needed to earn and look after their money. And to find out more about our programmes and services, visit young-enterprise.org.uk. So Young Money has a proven record of developing creative and engaging financial education resources, specifically designed to help anyone working with children and young people. It also provides teacher training and other in-school support. So, supported by HSBC UK, Young Money has developed Money Heroes, a new financial education programme focusing on teachers and parents to develop financially capable children. The platform allows you to track children's learning progress with access to free resources, tools and guidance. And you can also get involved by creating a parent account with us on moneyheroes.org.uk. 
Here you'll be able to access our free financial education activities and create a profile for your child where you can track which material they've completed. But don't stop there. Speak to your child's school. Find out if they've created teacher accounts. Are they tracking learning progress at their end? And if so, they'll be able to share your child's progress with you so you can keep up to date with what your child is learning and expand on this at home. Brilliant, right? The Money Heroes Podcast. We're here to get you talking about money. Well, today I have Russell Winard with me to hopefully demystify the world of financial education. Russell began his career as an accountant within the Lloyd's insurance market before moving into education. His time teaching highlighted the need for all young people to develop knowledge, skills and attitudes beyond traditional academic learning and prompted his decision to join the charitable sector, supporting schools to address this. Well, Russell now oversees all of Young Enterprises programmes and services. He currently sits on the Money and Pension Service Financial Foundation's Financial Education Challenge Group, helping to shape the UK's future financial well-being. Russell, thank you for joining us as our first ever guest on the Money Heroes podcast. It's a great day. It is indeed. My pleasure. Great to join you. Let's start at the beginning. Tell us about your involvement in and passion for financial education and why it's important to start developing money management skills from an early age. Well, you, you mentioned in the intro, um, uh, and a very nice intro it was, around my, my first job being in accountancy. And that for me was really the first time that I I started having an interest in money and began to think about how that interest in money made me reflect on on other areas such such as maths. I, I was never mathematical. Um, why I ended up in accountancy, I have no idea. But um, maths was something that I really struggled with, and it was it was the relevance of maths. And through accountancy, I I, I began to actually enjoy it. I I enjoyed playing around with maths when it was being done in the context of money yeah and and I moved um as you said I moved careers into teaching and when I was teaching I I saw so many young people who for money there was an interest there it was something that was real and relevant to them and and actually it made some of their learning a whole lot easier as well because it was a relevant context Uh, and then moving on a stage my own children just seeing the importance of of that early intervention with money and and beginning to understand what the value of certain things are recognizing coins and notes and that that was really really important mm. so for me it's it's there's a huge passion there i think money is is really really important to understand um it's great to be learning money from that very very early age so that you can begin to make more informed choices as, as you get older and ultimately um, those those really significant financial choices that some of them do have quite significant consequences if you, you get them wrong. And beginning just, just to appreciate money, how you acquire money, what you do with money, the balance between spending and saving. I think there's there's genuine interest there for young people if it's delivered in the right way. So for me, it can make a substantial difference. We know that we have a, a serious 
issue with with debt within the UK and many other countries around the world. For me, financial education is is a preventative method, something which can stop young people getting themselves into that that point at which there's a there's a real spiraling problem of of debt and becoming um, a victim of scams and fraud etc so i i see it as a, a life skill really important life skill that that all young people should be aware of and and develop that that capability exactly prevention is a lot better than cure isn't it so big question russell who do you think should be responsible for teaching children about money. I mean, is it mainly the schools? I don't think it is, actually. I think there is there is a joint responsibility. And I think parents and carers in the family home, there is an equal responsibility to, to what we're able to do within schools through, through teachers and, and others in school. The, the learning is very different, actually. What what you're able to do within the family home is more of that experiential learning. It's more observation, involvement in practical tasks. It's real. Whereas in, in school, do, doing the real stuff can be really quite challenging. You know, using real coins and notes, for example, in school is not always possible. Going out to the shops and, and having those real interactions around money, that's not possible in school very possible in the, in the home. Mm-hmm. I think bringing both of those approaches together in a collaborative way, that's where we really see the greatest impact on that financial capability of the young person. So no, I wouldn't say it's wholly the responsibility of schools. Schools do an amazing job around financial education, particularly primary schools, because it's not on the national curriculum for primary schools, it is for secondary schools. So they're doing it because they appreciate the the importance of financial education for for young people yeah but at home i think if if home can give those experiences combined with what's going on in school that that's a really powerful collaboration it is indeed and as i mentioned in my intro russell i've got two young children and an older teenager so i have experience with a range of ages and you're the same you've got daughters who are in their teenage and adolescent years and it is so important isn't it that we establish healthy money habits early on it is indeed yeah my my daughters uh, the youngest is 12 then um one in the middle is 15 nearly 16 and then um i've got an 18 year old who's uh, just left school and is having a year out before she goes off to university and uh, given what i'm involved in in and, and and the charity that I work for, you know, I I have engaged all of them in in money and learning, um, and we've done that from a very early age through those experiences. Um, we know that young people begin to form their habits around money by the age of seven years old, and learning about money begins through observation from age three onwards. And if you think about what what you're doing as a parent when your child is three, for example, you you could well be going to the supermarket and the child's probably riding in the trolley, as you do, and you'll get to the checkout and you may pay for your shopping using a debit card. You might even ask for cash back because that's, that's one of the options that you get. From 
the eyes of that child, what they've seen you do is go around the supermarket, fill up your trolley with, with goods, come to the checkout, and the cashier has given you some money and you've left. Now, if you, you think about what that child has learned from that, they've learned that you go to the supermarket, you fill up with goods and you get given some money to do that and that's not <laughs> the reality that was true <laughs> if only it were it's yeah but but when this is this get, is you get why. paid to shop it, exactly and this is why it is so important that we do begin though that that money learning and and just open discussions around money from from that very very earliest of age we, we, we're not saying that you can teach a, a three-year-old exactly what's going on at that transaction point but you can begin to just introduce the fact that no it's it, it's actually mum dad's money um it's it's not the shop paying us and and that just continues and if we are to inform young people's habit formation at age 7 we need to be starting those money conversations much much earlier so that once they 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 are getting to that formative point of, of that habit formation that they are appropriate and, and 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 accurate kind of habits that are being formed you obviously have uh, loads of professional and personal experience on this subject i am going to ask you for some tips a bit later on in this podcast but i just wanted to ask you a question about finance i mean some people regard finance as a rather dry boring subject don't they but there are so many ways that parents i mean you just mentioned the supermarket can get children excited about financial education um it really is something that people shouldn't really underestimate no, I think I think the trick is to to find something that is relevant to to that young person or young people that you're supporting. So for for slightly older children, um, something that crops up time and time again is um, the, the the financial education that you can get around a mobile phone. You know, all of the looking at tariffs for for different smartphones and and what that looks like for different amounts of usage and data etc um and and also things like in-app purchases and and how does how does that all work i mean that's that's for some of those right at the upper end of primary school and and lower down things like um planning planning things young people love to plan things and it could be planning a trip out I've known parents um, who, when when it gets to half term, they might say, "Right, we've I'm, I'm going to put fifty pounds aside, and you tell me what you want to do with that fifty pounds over the course of this week." And it might be some some trips out, it might be an ice cream here and there, but allowing those those children to make those decisions is is, is really important. And another area is cooking. Cooking has some great financial education associated with it. You can. You can learn budgeting, so it might be um, you're, you're planning the dinner for that evening and take them out to the supermarket, set a budget. It doesn't have to be a big budget at all. It could be a very, very small budget, and sometimes that's even more challenging and, and there's even greater learning. But allow them to, to do the, the buying and the purchasing of the ingredients, but also involve them in, in cooking the dinner. And it, it just has that relevance. And, and I think that is the key thing. All young people are interested in money. They see it around them all of the time. They, they are interested. You just got to find the context that's going to work for that young person that is in front of you. And that may well be very different to 
to some other young people where a completely different context is necessary. But if you find the right context, then you will have them engaged and they'll be willing to learn more. Absolutely. Could you give us a specific example of something you've introduced in your family to keep your daughters engaged with financial education? Good question. Um, I suppose one of the things that we have always done is is in relation to, to pocket money. And they, they've never been given huge amounts of pocket money. Uh, I, and I don't think anyone needs to give large amounts of pocket money at all. Um, even even something as small as as I know it sounds very very little, but ten or twenty pence a week, if that is manageable, and I know it's not always manageable, that that can have an impact, believe it or not, on the financial capability of that young person. The fact that they've got some money, it's theirs, and they can choose how they spend it. What we've chosen to do with all three of my daughters is um, the pocket money has been split into two halves. Uh, one half is is literally they will get that irrespective of of what goes on during the week, etc. They will get half of it. The other half is given for small chores, just things like making the beds in the morning, tidying the rooms up when they're asked to. And the reason we do that is not because we're trying to be half parents, but we do it because there is research out there um, from the OECD that says that if young people receive money for having done tasks or chores, having done something, then again, they're far more likely to be more financially capable. So if you just give pocket money, that does have an impact because that young person has money that they can make choices with. If they get money for having to have done something, has an even greater financial capability impact. So that that that's something that we've always tried to do. They're kind of used to it now. Um, I wouldn't say that they like it. It's not their favourite thing in the world, but uh, we do get three made beds every morning, which is great. <laughs> do you have it written down? Are these charts? I mean, sometimes I'll go and see uh, friends of mine and on their fridge they've got uh, little uh, boxes of uh, tasks that have been achieved uh, over the week and uh, is there a sort of reward system that you've uh, tracked there? Do you know we've we've never we've never really done the chart thing with them in relation to this it's always been a just a kind of verbal um, have you made your bed remember you got you you got to go do that or mum's asked you to clean the room um make sure you go do that we've we've always just sort of um spoken about it rather than had it displayed but to have it displayed on a reward chart again if if that works for you there's no right or wrongs here it it's whatever's going to work and and if that works and and putting stickers on the chores as the days go by if that's going to work and and that's a real visual aid for for that young person then absolutely that that's that's what you should move forwards with um but i think it, it's it, it is about understanding what's right for your children and how they're going to respond and, and what sort of engagement they, they they need to to stimulate that my boys love stickers so uh <laughs> that's it that's that's more of an incentive actually than the money itself they love collecting stickers <laughs> and seeing them on the uh on the wall um well, I, I just tell you, I, I yeah. used to teach um, seventeen and eighteen-year-olds, and they love <laughs> stickers too. <laughs> really, <laughs> doesn't surprise yep, they'd me. Yeah, they do anything for a sticker. <laughs> um, 
Another question for you. What, what are the most common concerns and questions parents have in regards to talking to their children about money matters? I would say age appropriateness is a big one. You know, what, what, at what point is it right to start talking about certain money-related topics? And I think that that can be quite challenging both for, for parents and for, for teachers in school. So there's a there's a challenge there. And if if people are interested, there is something called the financial education planning framework, um, which is a, a document that that just sets out for different ages what we as a charity, what we feel is appropriate for different aged young people. Um, we're not saying that everyone in that age group has to know all of the items that that, that sit there, but it, it's just a starting point and it, and it gives you a little bit of a guide. So, you know, if there are parents listening that, that want to begin to understand which topics we think are relevant for different aged young people, that, that would be a, a good place to start. I think the other issue for parents can sometimes be peer pressure and a concern that starting to talk about money and specifically things like pocket money which you know, it, it's an important area because it's probably one of the few occasions where a young person will get a regular uh, income um, but but with that comes this comparison with others and in a class of 30 young people you will have some who won't get any pocket money. You'll get some that might be getting a similar amount to you. And I'm sure there will be others who will be getting far, far more than anybody else. And that's really quite difficult. And how you approach that as a parent can be can be really challenging, particularly at certain phases. And I, and I think if there, there are parents here with children that have gone through that, that sort of uh, age, age seven to age 13 period, yeah, you, you will know the peer pressure is is really quite strong when certain individuals have got trainers that are the very latest and, and the branded, or they've got a, a console that is the most up-to-date and branded. Th those kind of pressures, I think, parents do find quite challenging. Um, and and it's, it's about you sticking to what, what you, as a family, what, what you're kind of beliefs um what your circumstances are what what you're able to offer but also what what is right because I, I, mm. I think there are there, there are certainly families out there who who could afford to buy maybe the latest trainers or the latest console but they actively choose not to do that because they, they don't perceive that to be the very best thing for the, for their child uh, and there are others that that think that yes have it, having the very best thing is a it, it's a good reward for the child so it's it's just about reflecting on on what you do about that peer pressure situation and and how you're going to approach that as a parent and it's seasonal as well isn't it uh, coming up to you know the christmas period and uh, the pressures are even greater aren't they to actually get as many presents and uh, purchases as possible. And uh, it can create, uh, you know, a, a lot of stress for many children and parents. It can. It can indeed. And, and I also think um, returning to school is always uh, a, a, a big, you know, challenging time for parents that start, or during the summer, preparing to start the new academic year where... 
there are all sorts of expenses that are having to go out and the child wants to turn up at school with uh, the decent uniform, probably decent trainers, etc. Maybe new bag, new packed lunchbox. Sometimes they're wanting those to be branded. That that's a really difficult time for parents as well. And uh, yeah, I appreciate Christmas um, has has the similar sorts of pressures. And again, I I don't think there's a right or wrong way of approaching this. I just think it you, you have to you have to just as a parent. Um, at least consider that and consider how you're going to deal with that and it and it is it's quite a lot about talking and being open and and, and honest as well mm. if if there are priorities within the family um that that are not to do with you getting a branded school bag then have that conversation if you feel comfortable to do so because young people they, they will understand i know it's it's more difficult but they, they will understand in the long run. Mm, very good advice. Russell, what, what is the most surprising thing you've learned over the years about children and money? I would say that every single young person has an interest in money. You, know, you, you do think about money as being this grey, dull, boring topic sometimes, but the reality is that every single young person is interested in it because it's it's relevant and real to them or it will be at some point and they know that. I think what's really surprised me is how learning about money and finance can be applied across pretty much everything that we do. I mean, you cannot go, well, many of us cannot go for, for more than a day without having to have interacted with money thought about a money choice at some point so it's it's there it's real it's all around us and i've i've seen schools pick up on this and really begin to use money as a context for learning not just through maths because i think that's where we naturally default to it's money so it must be within maths i I don't agree with that I, i actually think that the vast majority of learning around money is nothing to do with maths it's about your your ethics your beliefs your values it's it, we we don't make money choices because we 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 sit there with a calculator working out which one's the best deal we 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 go with our heads and our hearts so um i think financial education fits brilliantly into a whole range of curriculum areas the best the very best financial education i've seen delivered in a school was through their drama department where they role played different situations yeah. And the learning that the young people got out of that experience, yes, they, they developed some great drama skills, but they also learned some, some fantastic financial education. So um, both at home and at school, if you can think about money in, in a whole range of different subject areas, you know, if, if, if they're doing, um, if, if they're looking at history or geography or science even, you can begin to look at where where does money come into it maybe um what's the, what's the difference between renewable energy and non-renewable why why do we pay a little bit more for green energy is it worth it what what's that money going towards um all all of that you, you can tie it back and it, it it makes that learning a little bit more real and relevant and the funny thing is that what you're saying is really obvious but actually it doesn't necessarily occur to us you know, these things that, that pervade throughout our lives, 
all of these subjects concern around money, but we don't really give it enough thought. So I, I, it's absolutely fascinating what you've just said because it it d- doesn't occur to everybody, and it's very very interesting that you know sometimes you just got to say something to make it actually obvious. It's it's like many things, isn't it? We're we're all caught up. Everybody's busy. Yeah. Um. Everyone's got got lots of things going on, and if you're a parent, you're probably being pulled a million different ways and Mm -hmm. and you only get to relax kind of nine o'clock when everyone's gone to bed and then you usually fall asleep on the sofa um if you're a teacher have you been to my house (laughs) indeed it's exactly the same here i can tell you (laughs) (laughs) yeah and as a as a teacher your focus is gonna be on your subject area so so you, you you kind of sit we we sit in these silos and and we don't necessarily have the the time to just think about the bigger picture and if and if we did then money would would flow through everything i believe it it has a tangible link to pretty much everything we do i've got a big question for you there russell you're listening now indeed one piece of advice if there was just one piece of advice that you'd give to anyone listening to this podcast what would it be i think it would be that for the vast majority of, of, of areas that there, there isn't a right or wrong to do with money. You, you you can't you can't get it wrong, you can't get it right. It's it's more about doing what is right for you. And as we said before, it's about those those values, those behaviours, those ethics, and making sure that they come through in terms of your financial decision making. Um we we should never teach that there's a there's a right way to manage your money or there's a there's a right balance between spending and saving there's there's not it's down to every single individual if it's manageable um then that's great if it's unmanageable then that's where we we begin to get a problem so so young people need to understand that but i think the concept of right or wrong i kind of think put that to one side as a, as a parent if you can and 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 begin to focus on what's in the middle which is yeah a huge spectrum and 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 you need to kind of work with your your children to to find out where they are on that spectrum are they spenders are they savers are they givers um does money burn an absolute hole in their pocket um or are they squirreling everything away And, and, and again neither of those is right or wrong but it's always useful to 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 try and aim for for a balance um like many things in life right it's we can't we can't go and eat all the the very nicest food as much as i would love to because we we know what the consequences of that are but equally we don't never want to eat the really nice stuff because that's mm-hmm. quite boring we 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 want to just sit somewhere in the middle and be in control and and i think it's exactly the same with with money so that, that, that would be my, my big piece of advice. Don't focus on the right or wrong. Focus yeah. on where on the spectrum your, your, your children are. Okay. Really fascinating to speak to you, Russell. Is there anything else you can add about teaching children financial education from an early age and getting started at home particularly? The, the only thing I would add is using tools can, can be a, a really useful and an engaging way of, of developing that financial capability of, of young people and I think tools such as um, books which which are great you know if, if you've got books that cover financial topics and themes not only 
um, is reading, uh, a really great activity. Um, it helps that, that kind of parent-child bond. It develops literacy, but it, it also um, can explore areas of, of money and finance and lead to, to further discussion. Um, and games, yeah, learning through play is, is really, really important. So if there are opportunities to, to, to get engaged in, in games, whether that's formal games or, or something that you, you make up yourself, again, it, it, it stimulates that, that conversation, that discussion around money. And anything that can do that um, is, a, is a great opportunity for, for parents to engage with young people in, in and around money. Absolutely. Russell, it really has been great speaking with you today. We really appreciate your advice and expertise. Thank you so much. No, thank you very much. And of course, thanks to all those listening to our very first Money Heroes episode. I hope that we've provided you with some new and exciting ideas and that you're now going to sign up to Money Heroes and start tracking your children's learning progress. And if you'd like to share anything you've taken away from this episode, please visit moneyheroes.org.uk or get in touch at moneyheroes at y-m.org.uk. All the details are there. So until next time, goodbye. The Money Heroes podcast from Young Money, supported by HSBC UK, available on your favourite podcast app. Please listen and subscribe.